You're listening to episode 71 of the Bastards of Kingsgrave. As we return after two years to our George R. R. Martin reading group of his earlier works in the uh, sci-fi, mainly Georgeverse, a.k.a. Thousand Worlds area, or overall the Martin Spear. As usual, this is Amin, and I'm joined by two of our reading group. Hi, I'm uh, Michael, or Mordian on the forums. And hello, my name is Duncan, also known as Valkyrist on the forums. Hey guys, it's good to be chatting after what looks like two years, I think, in terms of this project. It is, right? yeah. It's been yeah, a while. It's a pleasure. I'm glad we're getting back to it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's appropriate that I guess the Super Bowl just happened, because that's the last one we covered was Run the Starlight. <laughs> the last Super yeah, Bowl. It's, as long as somebody's listening to this in, you know, 20 years, they won't even notice any sort of uh, disconnect. <laughs> it, it, yeah, exactly. 20 years, it'll be a seamless transition. <laughs> This whole like discussion will be encased in crystal, so they'll be able to access it. <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Okay, so what we're going to be covering today is Night Flyers, which is well, it's it's called a novella. It's hard it's hard for me to tell what's the difference between short story. When does it become a novella? It's classified novella from George R. R. Martin, published in 1980, uh, and we're going to have a full spoiler, full discussion uh, on this. Would you call it a short story, or do you call it a novella? I'm with you. I, I don't understand the distinction. Um, I, I yeah, I don't know. I'm happy to call it a novella. I guess, I guess maybe like as long as the like short stories sometimes seem to be more about an idea, whereas mm-hmm. maybe a novella is more. I mean, it's just a narrative. Um, but like a short story is often it seems like it's about like like the author thought of something weird. Like I don't know. What if we could control dead bodies with our you know minds or something, right? And so then they're just exploring an idea. And it's more about the idea than the narrative, whereas this yeah. movie's more about the narrative. I don't know. I agree. Like short stories are usually like a snapshot within a larger story, and they'll sort of use montage and things like that to to jump ahead. Whereas this seems more structured. Like there's a three act structure, introducing the characters, introducing conflict. It's much more long form in that way. So I'd call it a novella. And I think just in length, in, I think yeah. it would would length at the some point it becomes a novella. Just like it's not longer short. It's a story. Although. <laughs> I, I read somewhere that it was originally a short story that he sort of beefed out for a, a new publication because the because the one I because the one that you, the uh, PDF that you got that you sent through was different from the one in Dream Songs I think. Oh really? It was like much longer. Yeah, I think so. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, like, I read were, the version that has. Uh, it, it's actually it's also, it's like it's also called Night Flyers, but it has other short stories along with it. Like a, it's it's like a, the book the the collection is called Night Flyers. Then it has Night Flyers plus like a Song of Lion and other short stories. But I'm wondering if we're missing anything then. Well, the well, I don't think so. I think he's just added scenes. So for example, I started reading the Dream Songs one, and then I started reading yours, and I realized there was extra stuff, so I jumped to to your one. But for example, in the shorter version, they start on the ship, whereas in the the longer one, you, they actually introduce the characters entering the ship, things like that. Mm. So just little things. But the main beats are the same. They just have extra scenes. Well, why is the Dream Songs one the shorter one? Then That's kind of weird. Well, I read the Dream Songs ones, and, and they, they come onto the ship at the beginning. Like, they're not on the ship when it starts, in my copy anyway. Uh, okay. I don't know. <laughs> Different publication. <laughs> maybe, I don't know. It. Like I mean, you're you're saying they, it's that scene where they're like going along this like gantry thing or whatever, right? Yeah. In in the yeah, shorter version, it just it just starts with Royd saying he's already everyone's already on the ship and he's just describing how he watches them. Um, whereas that's, that's, you have the that's in your night fly, that, That's in your uh, dream songs. Like that's what where it starts. Yeah, that's yeah. it's yeah it's shorter. Yeah. 
I guess they cut it for Australia. You don't have enough paper there or something. I, <laughs> <laughs> I guess, sir. Yeah, I, environmentally I friendly. Yeah, I have an electronic version of Dream Song, so maybe that's the reason they had a they had extra room. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it seems a waste to me why they wouldn't. I mean, the, the intro I think is pretty important actually because just talking broadly about this story, and you kind of mentioned like a short story maybe has like one thought he wants to to focus on. I felt like there is an overarching uh, kind of theme to the whole story, which is. Uh, kind of dealing with myths and legends and how people can see from the same set of circumstances like different explanations. Uh, mm. And this applies to the Volcrin, it applies to Eris in, in, in there as well. And even uh, 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 that's why I think it's important to start. I mean, you, the version that you start with, the greater one, starts with like Jesus of Nazareth on the cross, right? Is that where it starts? Yeah, I like, I like that intro. Yeah, because he fits into that as well, right? Into like human mythology and, or different views of what happened. To, to a character well, in history. I think the implication is the idea of the Vulcan represent the unknown, the sort of mystical that things like religion try and explain. Um, but also I think there's an implication because they're talking about the psi, how whenever the Vulcan get too close to a planet, that everyone on the planet who has psi starts to go sort of insane. And that yeah. might be an explanation for all the various religious miracles that the various planets experience. So the, the Vulcan is sort of moving through the galaxy, uh, producing, generating religious uh, revelations all over the world. <laughs> That's interesting because it, it tries to avoid going near planets too because of the, it works better, Psy works better in like away from gravity wells, but mm. uh, it does yeah. move close as within a year of his agony. Uh, I guess a light year of it, or I'm not sure, but uh, or it just it means it was around that time within a year of him being there. It was near Earth. It might also be saying that, I guess, because for Martin, growing up in the 50s and the 60s, maybe sci-fi was very cold and clinical <clears throat> and anti-mysticism, whereas maybe Martin is trying to converge the two, say, um, you know, the mystical and the scientific, the science fiction can sort of coexist in a way. Yeah. Although, I mean, they're, they're pretty obvious with it here. They're, they're, they're not saying that this whole, I mean, this is, as I said, this is a spoiler full discussion. We're jumping into it. But the mother's spirit isn't around because it just spirituality it's because there's a technical reason as well uh right it's it's a whisper jewel that she kind of like puts her memories and thoughts into yeah absolutely and i mean even the the magic that they have is is psi right it's not unexplainable it's just uh you know it's some sort of it's an advanced neurological function and it's very it's very rare but it kind of makes sense in this and in other stories it's like i know it's just i mean it's all science fiction or fantasy whatever but the explanation within the world is supposed to, I think, is there's there's millions and millions of millions more people now, and something really rare maybe comes out a little more often. Because they talk about it being super recessive and rare, right? When you have, like, billions of, uh, like, trillions, I guess, people potentially, you're more likely to see that come out. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe <clears throat> different, maybe it sort of lies dormant within the human gene, but di- the range of new experiences that the the intergalactic travel produces maybe brings out a gene that that wasn't able to flourish maybe on earth something like that and they, they talk about uh more powerful telepaths and, and like psychics and other races right the harangans and the soul sucks and stuff so that that might have drawn it out too yeah, and this book does see, or the novella does seem to take place in the Thousand Worlds universe because they refer to Avalon and the the Whisper Jewels. Yeah. I think is in, in in Dying of the Light. But it, but it's it's pretty far ahead, I think, like because everything's happened, the empire's collapsed, but like Avalon kind of has started like a rebirth, I think, because they have the guy Cl- Cleronomus who goes on a survey ship. He's kind of like an explorer in Age of Discovery, kind of like going out and rediscovering things. 
So I think they've. This is pretty late in his timeline. In the oh, okay, right. Yeah, that would Dino, be interesting. Dino would be earlier, I think, right? Because it's like they're just kind of like reconnecting to the worlds of Lost Space Flight. Right, right. Yeah, I wonder if there's ever been anything written like a world book on the the Thousand Worlds, sort of plotting the timeline of events. So we maybe should, that we should. Uh, we should get him started on that. Thanks, Duncan. Yeah, yeah no, that, maybe that would that would. That would uh... For. Uh... <laughs> Well, it all yeah, yeah. it all comes together. The winds of winter. It's gonna like connect the volcano. Like come by and fly by the planet. Well, I, I have a crack, <laughs> if we have time, I have a crackpot theory about Song of Ice and Fire and Nightflies. Sure. I mean, we can. Why don't we just jump into it now? Or do we want to give our lemon cake ratings and all that? Sure. Or? Let's do that. Yeah. Let's get the lemon cakes. Yeah. So out of five lemon cakes, compared to your usual George a short story novella, what would you give it? Um, I really enjoyed it. This is probably. One of, if not my favorite, of the dream songs so far. I'd probably give it four and a half floating eyeballs. Um, I thought Royd was a really interesting character. I thought there was a nice tension between whether you weren't quite sure whether he was a good guy or a bad guy, what his intentions were. That helped create a cool paranoia throughout the ship. And I liked how the, the internal mystery of the ship played off against the external mystery of what the Vulcan were. Um, and I also thought, even though it had a horror story element to it, Unlike Martin's other horror stories like Sand Kings or Meat House Man, where they end on these really just sort of disturbing notes, it, this one ended on quite a touching humor note, which which I liked. So yeah, uh, yeah, I really like the story. Yeah, I was a big fan as well. I'd I'd say about four lemon cakes probably. This was I think it's probably my second time reading it, but um, unlike some other short stories, I I had more or less completely forgotten it and so i kind of got to experience it as though it were the first time which was nice like i i found myself falling into all the same like uh sort of like traps or um uh, plot twists that i fell into the first time like i I, you know i was right along with all the characters thinking that oh he's a some sort of ai and then you know this that and the other thing but anyway i I really liked it i agreed with it not consent to yeah i'd give it four out of five sidekicks I think it's, uh, it's a pretty good read. Uh, I did remember things, so it wasn't a surprise to me, but it was still a solid story, and uh, I think still had that kind of message that he wanted to talk about myths and legends and different interpretations of the same events. So, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. So why don't we, uh, yeah, let's kind of like just start from the front and like move forward and talk about things that happen, and then as we get to, if we get to the point that's relevant to your theory, we can talk about it, Duncan, or we can... So it's sort of at the, it's sort of at the end, like the final couple of lines. <laughs> okay, well then we'll we'll get it to to it at that point. I think so. It, it's not amazing. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's pretty silly, but, <laughs> but I like I Teaser. like the tie into the thousand worlds. We call it George verse. Just like more building on the backstory there, and, and like what's going on with uh, the different planets and old Poseidon. They're like the genetic masters here. Probably my favorite character in the story is Melantha, which is just a really interesting character like capable without being arrogant like confident but not too arrogant you know it seems like like an interesting person yeah yeah i liked her too and she's pretty sort of blithe throughout a lot of the story but when uh the sort of danger emerges about a third of the way through she quickly takes charge so she has that kind of natural leadership instinct that a lot of the other characters don't and they at various points, the characters are described as sort of second raiders, that they were people that no one else really needed, and that's why they were sent on a mission that no one really thought was that that important, but whereas Melantha volunteered, so she's obviously got a lot of drive behind her and ambition. And then at the start, we kind of, I mean, they, they come on the ship, and then Royd is, he's, he's got eyes and ears everywhere, including the sanitary station, and just like a creeper. And this guy. <laughs> yeah. 
I thought it was just him initially, but it seems everybody uses the word like the verb sext. Like that's just used. <laughs> if you, if there's one thing you yeah. remember from the story is using sext as a verb. <laughs> a sext yeah. G. I wasn't sure what to make of that. Either they're extremely sort of liberated as a people, or they see sex as this kind of joyless recreational activity thing. Like they don't actually take as much joy out of it. I don't know. I don't know if they don't take joy in it necessarily, but I, yeah, I think that it's certainly it's a lot more casual. It might be similar to you know when they talk about scientists in Antarctica having like snow brides where they'll just sort of for human warmth they'll get together because they're so isolated for so long they'll sort of just have sex just to feel close to people and feel that yeah sense of warmth. But they they had just got on the ship like a week ago. I think yeah, yeah, I think it's just yeah, normal it's, behavior. It's, at least an Avalon. Yeah, I, maybe. I, I, yeah, I would agree. I mean, I think probably pretty much everywhere any of those people came from, like they all seem to, yeah, um, rotate partners pretty. I guess maybe not all, maybe not the couple. Uh, they didn't, mm-hmm. but most people seem to. Well, the couple had sex with everybody except for themselves. Like they they did. Okay, all right. So yeah, the couple yeah. felt like late in the that's, story. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> but I mean, I think there must be planets that are still more conservative, like the space interacting planet or whatever. But the the ones that, the, that are that the source finest for these people are, are all modern, like liberal, like and then ahead of that even more, right? It's become basically it's lost any it's just pure casual to them. Mm. But it's just it's just funny the, the <laughs> because I don't I don't I don't remember seeing that kind of the sex elsewhere in Martin's works. Like he doesn't really use another thousand world stories. So yeah, I'm trying to think of other stories where there's a lot of characters. Usually, it's only. It's more focused, a smaller yeah. cast, one or two people, yeah, yeah. Or, or it's just one character yeah. kind of yeah. going insane. Well, the telepath has, who has sex with like the, the lesser telepath, and they talk about the connection. That, that's kind of like Robin Lyon, too. That's when they'll be closest. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I haven't actually seen that one, read that one yet. Oh. <laughs> but you haven't read well, sure. uh, A Song of uh, for Lyon? No, no, I've got to read it. I haven't, yeah, I'm slowly making my, you gotta my read way it, through it. you got to listen to our discussion of it afterwards. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I will, I will. <laughs> That's one of the best. Uh-uh. I mean, in terms, of, and, and actually, I was going to send you guys a, a link here where I think it's it's from Martin's site. I don't know if it's meant to be public yet. It's just it's just a list of his awards that he won because these are the stories that he built up a lot of awards for, and he actually won a Japanese award for Night Flyers. It was the best foreign translated work. It's like the Japanese. Yeah, I mean, Hugo. it's strange to to think that this is what he was famous for. He was a famous sci-fi author before yes. the nineties and then he became a famous fantasy author. And there was a movie adaptation made of it. And I watched the trailer and it, it's funny yeah. cause it was made in like 1987 and it ends with from the famous sci-fi mind of George R. Man. Yes. And there are people that are, that have been fans of him from since then, just from his sci-fi work. But I mean, did you, did either of you see the movie then or just the, the trailer? I haven't seen no, it I just heard the trailer. I heard it's garbage, yeah. so I didn't bother. To no, yeah, I didn't. It, it, it looks yeah. garbage. Yeah, <laughs> just. I mean, it, it, it's. You think Martin would have like? I mean, he's had such a variety of success, or he would have been burned out by Hollywood. I mean, he went to work for Hollywood after around that time as well. But it's like this is such a horrible adaptation. And Game of Thrones, for the trouble that we give it, is still a decent adaptation. Hmm. It um. It's also interesting that you could make. A career as like a short fiction writer yeah. for, for so long. So, I mean, that's always his bread and butter. I, I mean, he, he made some, he wrote some novels in that time as well. But uh, most of his work is short fiction, it seems, and he's just publishing in magazines and, and sci-fi zines and things. But he was still working part time as for other jobs, though. So really, could he couldn't just do that? Like, oh, okay, right, because yeah, he was doing Beauty, Beauty and the Beast and yeah. doctoring but things. But to, yeah. to to do part time and yet 
like write such good works too to have the time to write such good I mean I think it would be even more difficult now to to do what you could do back then. It did strike me reading this though. It did seem to have possibly a screenplay in mind, just the way it cuts between various viewpoints as the action unfolds. It did seem like mm-hmm. it was, I don't know, so it had that cinematic vibe to it where there was where there was a cast of characters. It was jumping between. It did have that a more structured, a sort of three-act structure compared to his other short fiction. What also was interesting, I mean, this and this is 1980, although maybe it was, who knows when it was written, maybe a couple of years earlier, like a lot of his earlier 70s works, it, and I think Michael, you may remember from a discussion. It seems like he doesn't quite get auto- automation as much. Like he has like the corpses, and he has like he, he didn't have. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But yet, by this time, he's got it. Like I don't know, computers were more prevalent in the last couple of years. Between those points, that he could be like, yeah, something can be fully automated. It doesn't need a person. Yeah, that's actually an interesting point. I hadn't thought about that before. But there is sort of like a weird like, um, and and then the other things too. Like I'm trying to think like the computer and the in the last Super Bowl, right? Like the yeah. the football simulation and stuff like that, where it does seem like he's just sort of like, that's that doesn't really seem like the way computers work to me, but okay. It's like Whereas a kind of this, loneliness as well. Like the they they needed to have yeah, the guy there. The guy there for some reason, yeah. Whereas but this you're right. Like it, it does it I mean I, I guess it, it feels seamless, right? It doesn't strike me as odd in any particular way. I they mean do, they than, do mention tapes at some point, I think. It's like we back it up on, on paper and tapes. Yeah. <laughs> but then they also have you know sentient crystal or whatever yes. so. so i think but it, it's only a couple of years difference between writing them but I, I mean the world was also maybe like just the way computers were developing at that time it was easier for martin to view things as automated a couple of years later in writing this yeah yeah so that yeah, was that's... kind of interesting and then so and then again it by telling the story of the vulcan it tells more what's going on like we kind of we i think we've I, never, I don't think we've ever really probably t- talked about like the history of what happened in thousand worlds we know that there was a thousand-year war with the Orangans, but I think they were also kind of conflicting with these the people on the other side as well. Either the, uh, I think it says here, Orangans were on one side, and then there was like this other race that was on the other side. Not the Nortelush, it's the other, like the F something. Yeah, I know the what Findi, you're about. The Findi, the Findi. Findi, I, th- yeah. I think they were also <laughs> fighting with the Findi too. And, I mean, the humans won, but it kind of just... The, the empire kind of collapsed <laughs> from the strain of that conflict. Yeah. But there, the Findi are in the inner core of the galaxy. That's where the Vulcan came from, and it would be flying by, and everyone had their own legends about the Vulcan. Which, by the way, I'm going to send you a link of some uh, people's imaginations or like drawings of Vulcan, because I, I think we probably all have like a different view in our heads. Like I didn't. This this is not what I imagined when I saw Vulcan. I see it. It's basically a giant space plant in my mind, right? That's that's the level of consciousness it kind of has. Yeah, I mean, maybe more a little bit more than a plant or something, but not a ton, at least. Um, most of these are <laughs> pictures of butterfly, <laughs> <laughs> which uh, which admittedly was not what I imagined. Uh, there's a. There's like this monster in HP Lovecraft that's this giant floating cloud in space, and the cloud's basically just all these screaming mouths. That was yeah. kind of what I was thinking of. <laughs> well, you're right. I think it was uh, one of you guys mentioned like kind of like the religious inspiration of the Vulcan, because like, people have seen them as God's messengers or a warning about something coming. It's it's like opposite, different views. The stories contradict themselves. Oh, and then it's talking about, here we go, we get to Melantha. It's like, by the third week, she had sex with all four of the men and at least two of the other women. 
Yeah. Some of these Nightflyer things I feel like are not related to the to the short story. Like oh, yeah. the guy standing next to the dragon or whatever. Like I think that's gotta be I think are they is, just this is just the tag Nightflyer, so it could be yeah, exactly. story yeah. or something. There's yeah. uh yeah, there's, there's, I thought that there would have been more, to be honest. I mean, the the cover is pretty nice, like the one on the anthology. I don't think I know that one. Let's see if I have... Just search Nightflyers, it'll come up. You search Nightflyers and just go to images. Okay. It's like big... Yeah, I've just page. got like sort of a cracked window and a swirling blue puddle. I don't see any monsters. Oh, there's like two blue skulls flying. I don't know. Oh, the Volker and Technicolor. Okay, yeah, it's sort of like a squid thing, like all these beams of light yeah. spewing forth from like a black hole. Yeah, that, that could be interesting. The story's kind of very, uh, as you said, it can trick you a little bit. Like, it keeps talking about different theories. They're saying, oh, Roy might be a computer, and then it's like he watched Unsmiling, and then it's like this, and he frowned. Like, it's giving you hints from his reaction. Yeah. Yeah, you don't get a sense that he... Yeah, that he's disembodied because it does describe, even early in the story, his little, like, sort of organic movements of his face and his fingers and things. Yeah. Originally, I, w- I was sort of thinking, is Royd the ship itself? Because just the way he, hmm. it, there's no, it didn't feel like there was a an individual POV because it sort of, it was jumping between various characters, not only the characters, but also their thoughts. And I was wondering, is the is the whole ship meant to be the point of view? Is, is Royd the whole ship? Hmm. But I guess yeah. you could argue that maybe the maybe it's like the mother's point of view because it doesn't like because it jumps between people's thoughts um, throughout the story. Um, but I guess yeah, I don't know. It doesn't necessarily have to be the, the the mothership's point of view. It could just be just be like a POV jump, like a song of ice and fire. Yeah, I think we'd get a lens of uh, you know disdain probably if it were the mother's POV. Mm. Yeah. I think everybody. Although, you could argue we get a, a vague. I suppose <laughs> a little bit. Uh, we certainly. I mean, some of the characters are certainly not described in a flattering way, but you know. No, no. <laughs> yeah, well, they they have that theory early on if he's AI or something. It's not quite there, but. Although it is interesting that none of the characters are like. Well, to me, it's, to me at least, it didn't seem like any of the characters were outright evil because I was expecting yeah. a kind of thing where they'd basically just go insane and start butchering each other and um, and that. But even like the worst guy, the guy who was most suspicious when he sort of breaks back onto the ship, he's basically his worst thought is, "Oh, we have to get the ship back and we'll have a trial and figure out what happened." Like that's that's the worst of it. Basically, there wasn't yeah. that that kind of that that sort of uh, you know manslaughter that I was expecting, where everyone goes crazy. Yeah. Well, there's a way to boost psionic uh, receptivity by using the Esperon. So they use that. Royd is warning them not to do that, and then Lamy Thorn, the the one, like the the level one Telfat, his head explodes. Yeah, that was that was good. That made me sit up and pay attention again. Yeah. It's like a good good exclamation mark. Yeah. It did anyone else get like a uh, Ridley Scott alien vibe from? From that, like with the chest burster scene in the in the dining room, yeah, I guess. I was sort of thinking it's it sort of the whole story felt. I guess it would have been written around the same time, or maybe a little bit earlier, because Alien was nineteen seventy nine. But the idea of the the spaceship as like a haunted house, um, the char- you know, the some sinister force picking off the characters one by one, the the head explosion scene. I don't know, it just got a, that that the claustrophobia of the 
the spaceship as like a, a haunted place maybe think of alien hmm. was alien before this or was after then i don't i think it was like the same time so there must have been something in the air and like the it sci-fi community but yeah i think alien was just before i, I could be wrong i'll yeah, I think it was. This might have been nineteen. Well, I think it was published nineteen eighty, yes. and Alien was out nineteen seventy nine. But he might have been working yeah. on it before. Yeah, who knows? that's right. Yeah, it could yeah. be. So that was yeah. kind of the the thought. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Let's see what else I have. Melantha says, "Don't you, any of you love a mystery? Because that's the thing. It's a mystery about <coughs> Roid as well. What's going on there? And then, and then the Roy's like, I'd like to guess about the gas giants. They did because thought, somebody thought he was from like." The gas giant planet. Yeah, <laughs> that was funny. Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I don't think his strategy, uh, his strategy of secrecy, is necessarily the best. I mean, like obviously he can't tell them about his mother oh, or whatever. Yeah. But like, I, I don't know. I feel like there are other things he could do. But I suppose he's not. Yeah. Uh, well socialized, exactly. So yeah. maybe they don't occur to him. Well, it seems he, he, if if anyone's, uh, I mean, the mother is obviously a bad character. But like anyone else who's who's you know, a bad character. Even Roy is because he's he's basically risking people's lives every time he takes somebody on there, and people have died before from this. And he's almost, yeah. he almost treats he's become like it doesn't matter to him anymore. It's he's so cold about it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he does seem to. Uh, another thing I was thinking about um, was that he doesn't seem to have like he has systems automated, hmm. but he doesn't seem to have like any sort of. I don't know. I mean, like uh, something like a you know robotic arms or something in the in the habitat area you know like he has no way of physically interacting with the people there like he can open and close doors and things like that Hmm. but like if they're doing something if they're doing something problematic he can't physically stop them which seems like that that was one question i had how did he keep serving them dinner it said like when they arrived on the ship there was a, a meal laid out for them and I don't know, like, was there little robotic arms yeah, <laughs> preparing those for him? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, Because he doesn't seem to have any way of, you know, like, when they're about to administer the, the injection or whatever, like, he doesn't seem to have any way of, like, trying to trying to stop that. I don't know. Maybe he has arms, they're just little tiny ones that can do anything. Yeah, could be. <laughs> they wouldn't be effective. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. He probably must have some sort of automated control, but... Hmm. Yeah, there's no little robot butler or anything. Yeah. Well, and then when then uh, I found it interesting when the, the I mean the guy's head exploded and it was the the male uh, linguist the one that was screaming and then his partner the one slapped him. I think that was kind of a, maybe George reversing what he might be like the kind of expectation or something where it's like the woman would be screaming. It was the male right, linguist, yeah, the yeah. one that was screaming and then gets slapped back to. Calm down. The the Melantha that takes charge, whereas the the supposed commander of the ship, whose name is what's his name, um, Co- Carol Caroli, Caroli the academic, yeah. Caroli, he's, sort of, he's sort of he's sort of sitting stunned and indecisive when, yeah. when the ship. Then, then there's like th- to the end of the story that the bits of like blood and skull still there, like in that room, he's just like floating around. They didn't yeah. properly clean it out. Well, yeah. I guess they do it at the very end of the story, but <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Okay, and then there's the yeah, talk of Githyani soul socks rang in mine. For a second, they're like, oh, is it rang in mine? It's like, no, they never communicated with them. It was also such like a weird, like a insane guess, right? Like, yeah. oh, if it's a harangue in mine, then then we can 
plot and come up with something to do. And it's like, well, I mean, based on, you know, admittedly the very limited amount of information I have, it it sounds like if it's a harangue in mind, you're all just fucked, right? Like, <laughs> if you decide yeah. it's a harangue in mind, then you're done and you lost. Like, yeah. move on. Yep. Sit back and enjoy the ride. Yeah. Maybe it can be used to criticize people with, with the crazy conspiracy theories and ice and fire. It's like, it's like of that level, <laughs> right? Like, all these different yeah. crazy theories. Yes, the, the lack of answer creates this vacuum that, that people yeah. <laughs> need to fill with their paranoia yeah. and their anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then we get to the kind of later on where things start to go bad. And uh, Royd is talking to Melanthex and, and he's explained that he's been watching her. And then he says nothing. And then she's like, okay, I would probably have sex with you too, Royd. He's like, how do you know what I'm thinking? <laughs> but, he, but he's actually yeah. he's concerned about her being telepathic because that's 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 will draw right. mother will yeah, be yeah. drawn to that. Yeah, if mother thinks of a, of a threat, then she interacts. But it seems she's willing to tolerate some people on them if they're not uh, like they're just being you know moved from one place to another and they're not a threat. Yeah, it was bringing it was bringing the telepath on that seemed to upset that balance because yes. he could sense it and seemed to push against it and r- rattled everyone else and maybe that that general um, sort of paranoia mm. got to a I don't know. Yeah, and it's it's this this danger that actually makes the linguins get back together. <laughs> it's like this this otherwise they were they're always like criticizing each other and had a bad relationship. Yeah. It was hard to keep track of some like what everyone was doing, like Xenotech versus like Cyberneticist. Like it was a bit. Yeah, I just kind of focused on the main three and just let the other people <laughs> just be this general mob of <laughs> confusion and yeah. ineptitude. Do not try to have like a hookup chart. It's just confusing to see who hookup. No, no. <laughs> yeah. With all the pins in it, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so then, then uh, well, it, what? It, what keeps happening is people keep trying to like figure out what's going on and. Roy warns them, don't do that, and they still do it. They, they go hook up to the computer, and then they get, like, sucked out of the space or something. Like, the door gets opened by the Night Flyer. Yeah. Because the they're getting close mm-hmm. to figuring it out. And then, uh, when Christopher is kind of, like, getting crazy, and he's like, oh, Roy's trying to kill us, and he's like, maybe he's a harangue in mind, or an avenging angel of Volkran, or the second coming of Jesus Christ. Like, I think that, again, that's re- <laughs> relevant that it mentions Christ again. Does he say that in relation to He's going to kill us all. Does that does yes. that suggest that the Christianity has become this, you know, feared religion? I don't know. But, 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 it, it, it's, been, it's been. I was trying to calculate how long. I mean, it, it, I think it's at least five thousand years since Christ. Is, it, mm. More, more than that. Like this, yeah, this is thousands and thousands and thousands of years that, later. Right? So, so, so yeah. like whatever story there is is being changed so much at that point. At least in this, the way that's going in this, because they don't know where Earth is now. That's the other thing, is, right? Is th- have you guys read uh, The Way of Cross and Dragon? I have. Is this the same? The... Not for a long time, yeah. Is it the same universe? Because in that one, like Christianity exists in the in the sci-fi think, setting. but it. I mean, as far as I recall, I, I feel like Cross and Dragon is the Thousand Worlds. But yeah, I, I feel don't know. it would fit into that, yes. But I just, I, just, I need to mm-hmm. read. That's one we could cover, actually, because we're running out of short. I want to cover short stories still. <laughs> the longer ones just take too long to prep for these kind of things at this point. So, yeah. It's worth going into. Yeah, though. no. Uh, yeah, that was a pretty good one. Um, but it, it, I just brought it up because religion still plays a fairly like powerful role in the in the galaxy at that point. I, I guess it depends on how you know that may be a thousand years in the past in the compared to mm. this one. 
Well, it's, I'm just trying to see. I'm pretty sure somewhere they say like Earth. They don't know where Earth is. It's like a mythical. Place. Yeah, they've I love lost that. Contact. It's like the Garden of Eden. Like they've lost. They know. They no longer know where it is, or something like that. Yeah, I mean, or, or Atlantis maybe would be a better analogy. Yeah. Uh, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. What's What's really interesting is right before George was went on to write a Game of Thrones, he was working on a novel called Avalon, which is maybe like he was going to push forward with the story would be like the kind of the culmination because avalon seems to be really important right it's a very technological place kind of yeah. the rebirth of the the empires from there there's gonna be another empire yeah i read that like he that was his next major novel when he came up with the like he was struggling with it, like he was having a hard time and he came up we had the dream about the the wolves in the snow and that that he shifted gears with that yeah yeah so the question is when when is avalon coming out wait for avalon Almost. <laughs> uh, you'll be waiting a while. Yeah, you sweet summer child. I've been waiting since like 1990 for Avalon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All the, the spoiler chapter. Like, spoiler chapters of this diversion into fantasy. Yeah. When is he going to get back to the real work? <laughs> Can he put out spoiler chapters of Avalon? There must be something. I think he had a couple hundred pages written or something at least. Release them. <laughs> yeah, that that probably definitely is on the DOS floppy disk somewhere. Yeah. There. <laughs> it's, 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 if it is it's probably corroded by now that's not good yeah <laughs> unless he's got it like in storage like in cold storage it's, it hasn't been faced the elements <laughs> maybe it's on a crystal or something <laughs> it's on it's tape on a whisper it's on tape tape drive okay let's see here um so this is where you find out about gravity and how it actually because I mean, his mother had uh telekinesis powers it works better with in, in the weightlessness than under the gravity net. So once the, they shut off the gravity, she's able to kill just to Ferris and the rest of them that went in. He has a good line where he's saying, like, without gravity, up and down sort of have no meaning. Hmm. Um, and it just it shows the way that the, a lot of the characters, a lot of the human characters, frame their their view of the world in terms of geography and things like that. Whereas Roy doesn't, because he just kind of exists in the vacuum of space. He doesn't land, I guess, isn't as important to him. He can just kind of float float through the air and up, down, left, right, don't really have as much meaning. Yeah. So it's and then it turns out it's not just the I mean her memories being implanted, but it's the fact that her psi abilities were also preserved as well. That makes her the, the great danger she is in that giant crystal. And possibly amplified by That's right. technology. It does make it stronger. Yeah. And and the, the whole story yeah. of the mother is that she was on one of those if she had been on Avalon, she would have been fine. She would have been even revered and <coughs> given like, you know, probably a full scholarship or whatever to high school, but because she was in one of those backward planets that, that saw it differently, she was tortured and brainwashed and drugged. And it's still uh, that affected her whole view of life. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's a, you know, it's a tragedy, certainly. Yeah. So she ends up getting her own new home. Also, seems to be quite advanced in terms of building ships. She gets it, this ship built there, and it's all automated. She can handle it herself. She can get rid of her crew. Doesn't need the crew anymore. Yeah. So that's basically becomes the struggle. It's like they have to survive against the ship, so Roy can have to get laid. That's the. <laughs> he's like if I get laid it's okay I'm gonna die <laughs> go, go down go down before I go down oh and then so at the same time though they get closer to the Volcran which is which is uh, Brandon's obsession and uh, he gets on let's go onto the Volcran because he ends up kind of like left behind to see them and then they find out oh it's not actually 
They're not sentient. It's just like an animal. Yeah, I love like the. F I guess you don't really get a description necessarily, but just the sense of its sort of massiveness in the vastness yeah. of space. There's this like almost uh, something frightening and almost romantic about it. Just like a like a massive whale moving through the ocean. It's mm. uh, it's scary. I mean, it's like sort of that sense of childlike awe. Um, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. And yeah, the lack of co consciousness. It, it's mm. a it's a form of life or a form of consciousness that humans can't sort of comprehend. Um, and I like the descriptions where they're describing how these entities could be missed because humans are only going from planet to planet or planets that could possibly support life in their minds. Mm. But all these dark spaces in between are just kind of ignored. So there's this whole potentially ecosystem of consciousness that just doesn't fit into the human's idea of, of life. So it's just been ignored. Yeah. But that, that being said, it, it's still, a, even, even though it's different because they, they talk about that, maybe they just they can't read it, but it's, it's still, at least from what they see, it seems it's not actually like it, beyond the I live kind of like the Grish guy. It doesn't have anything more than that. It's just, it's just consuming and moving outwards. Or rather, that its its thought processes are sort of so slow that they hmm. they have to be observed for maybe years before they can that's you possible. Can sort yeah, of it could, put could together could be in that sense. Yeah, think about yeah, you, uh, you have to, tough voyaging. There's one time when they meet these guys. That they, I won't go into details, but they meet these things that they don't think are sentient, but actually are. They're just so different. Yeah, or like you know, myths about humans walking across a mountain that that after a while they realize it's moved an inch and it's actually like a giant or something like that. Mm. Like they're, they're humans are thinking so fast that these lumbering creatures that are so big, they can't even see the, the borders of the creature are actually not part of the landscape. They're actual, you know, living things. Yeah. It's like, there's some like famous old stories, right? About like cities built on the back of like a giant tortoise or whatever that yeah. submerges <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The giant tortoise in space. Yeah, that's possibly an inspiration. Yeah. yeah, or the lion turtle and an avatar. So. <laughs> or the lion turtle. Yeah. Yeah. Though, so, but it, it's moving with telekinesis. It's, it's just pulsing and, and has the beautiful lights, and it's just like converting the particles to energy, and just it's been moving. <laughs> like I don't know if this is how long they live. It's just these entities have lived since the whole time, or they've been like maintaining in space and producing new ones it's, it's hard to tell yeah i don't know I, I get the sense that it's just it extracts it uses so much so little energy rather that it can just live for eons yeah. and eons that's why i viewed it more like a plant because because those are like the long like mm -hmm. a tree or something is the longest it's way longer living yeah than an animal. yeah yeah so i yeah, see definitely. like like mm -hmm. kind of like a venus trap type like a plant that just it, it's converting the energy particles there instead of solar light mm. okay so then um yeah, everyone felt the Vulcan in their dreams because of the telekinesis there, but they say it's mindless, it's moving across, avoiding gravity wells, that's it for the Vulcan. So I guess, is, is, is Debrani, like, does he get, does the Vulcan actually like, just like suck him in? Or does he just die out there? Just It's kind of hard to tell, right? He just kind of... Well, it's I guess it's half and half. It's sucking him in, but he's also yeah. going towards it because he's yeah. uh, it's it, it's sort of the focal point of his obsession. So he he's willing to die just to to learn the truth. Right. Hmm. I don't know. Is the implication that he gets absorbed into its consciousness, kind of thing? Like maybe the, the light, Vulcan the is light. just yeah. It, it yeah, absorbs I mean, all those curious enough to to venture into it. It's the nexus. 
this this one. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen <laughs> the next generation, the movie. Um, uh, I haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah. and then it says, he sees a vision. He doesn't have a mouth or eyes or nose, but he has a face. I can see him. Oh, and then Agatha's dead. Her, there's blood on her face. But did her like head just explode as well from just being so close to the the pounding sigh or or what? Yeah, that's I feel that's what that's sort of the way I took it. Yeah. 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 She already had a headache. It's just, it's just such a like. It's just like a giant like. It's just so. If your head is on that that wave frame or whatever for Psy, just gets blasted by the the huge. Because it, it must be huge to propel that thing, right? So. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I guess maybe she can pick up certain thought frequencies, and this yeah. frequency is so loud that it shatters her mind like a glass. Yeah. Okay, so then back to the main story. This is all struggle with Roy trying to get there. And- Back in time, he makes it, but then his mother outwits him by turning up the gravity, which is means he can do nothing because he's already weak in regular gravity, can barely move. So he dies, but then he imprints himself on the crystal at the same time because Melantha informs him that he also has psi abilities being the cross-sex clone of his mother. Um, the other movie that I thought of was Hitchcock's Psycho because that's all about the mother figure is sort of controlling his life like mm. spoilers but the the mother the mother's dead by the beginning of the movie but he treats her as though she's alive and she can hear her voices and he's her, yeah. her voice and she's telling him to do things she controls his his actions and i guess his sort of desires because the female character in um in psycho is this sort of he becomes obsessed with her he watches her through spy holes similar to yeah. the way Roy sort of spies on his characters so it's her, got this weird uh, voyeurism on him maybe like i mean she's, she's actually dead in that movie or whatever but like her what she did is still affecting what he does like, yeah and the fact that he was bred to be her lover introduces this sort of weird o- oedipus complex yeah. and this voyeurism and and there's this this fear of uh dirt and filth and and you know everything must be clinically clean which has yeah. like sort of freudian overtones to it <laughs> Yeah, and then uh, but she ends up dying though, right? And then he's kind of r- raised from the in the tube. <laughs> till yeah, it's sort of it. Uh, I guess you could say there's a, a theme in a lot of Martin's science fiction in terms of the lonely figure. Like space becomes this metaphor for just the vast loneliness or social isolation, things like that. Like, um, uh, what's the one where the guys in the out, outpost? I can't remember the second title. Second kind of lonely. Second kind of yeah. Second kind of lonely. Sorry, it's you know he's so far away because he can't you know. Well, oh, there's a great line in that like, there's like a, a beautiful romantic loneliness to being in space, but yes. you know it's just as lonely being in the in the middle of a, at, at a party with no one to talk to. Well, it's the um, two types. Whereas, the first is the tragic, well, the, but yet, yet like epic type, and the second is just like yeah. You just choose the epic loser. romantic loneliness. <laughs> exactly. Can't go back to that. But here, it's he was actually raised in loneliness and social isolation. But like I said before, there's almost like a hopefulness where he's trying to connect with people. I mean, ultimately, he sort of puts people's lives at risk, so it's not entirely altruistic. Yeah. But he actually he's completely socially isolated, but he's actually trying to connect with people. Um, and I guess he does in the end, that which makes it a sort of happy ending. Yeah, he's he he does he can't get he couldn't get rid of his mother. He's trying to get her wiped from the system, and she just would keep coming back or wouldn't be wiped properly. But he does the opposite of what his mother was hoping in the program too. She he actually wants to see people have contact with him. Yeah, he rises above his his sort of DNA or his uh, yeah. his uh, neuroses. And that's what happens at the end. So like Melantha is there with him, and they've been following the Vulcan for years, documenting it and studying it. 
but they can't go to like hyperdrive or whatever. They can't go into star, star drive because it's damaged until it's repaired. But they're worried about that. Or, like Melantha's worried about that, right? Because the mother is still there. Yeah. Yeah, it's I guess this battle of wills. One AI. So it's it's yeah. it's a computer with two AIs occupying, and they're yeah. sort of rest, wrestling with each other. He's getting better at it too, but she's still she's still there. Uh, and then also what's kind of interesting is the Vulcan's about to go into Tempers Veil. They're saying there's a lot more energy there or something. So that may, may maybe evolve or be able to make more use of that. It's I guess it's like an AI with multiple personality disorder. I don't know if that's been used before in sci-fi, but that's kind of an interesting idea. Hmm. <laughs> that a computer itself could develop <laughs> kind of neuroses and, <laughs> and, be, and, be, and be at war with, war with itself the way humans are. But they're both active at the yeah. Well, well, multiple personalities, and one in, one in, one is on, and the other one's off completely. Like they're they're kind of struggling here. Yeah, I, I guess so. It's um, it's a it's a mix of the two. Sometimes they yeah. work together. Sometimes one is more they dominant do. than the other. Well, here they're trying to like the mother joins and they're trying to just move the ship. They're messing with like kind of copying the Vulcan to tell a move, and she'll even join in on that. Yeah. But that's it. They're they're, they're together now. He's she. She's not going to leave him, and uh, eventually they're going to send the ship back to convey the data they've collected. So I guess that that, that was kind of as you said, it's kind of a touching scene. But I also I don't know. It seems like really like Melantha was willing to, to to commit to this. That that really left an impression on her that in that short amount of time to to do this. Yeah, and the final line is something like, "I'll never leave him alone again." Um, which I wasn't entirely sure what to make of. I guess leave him alone with his mother. Hmm. You know, if if I leave, then the mother will take over. He'll he'll he won't have hope of of sort of regaining his humanity or whatever. Um, but yeah, it was a good ending. So, what was your your theory tying into Ice and Fire? Uh, okay, so my theory was uh, all right. The Night Flyer crashes into Westeros basically, <laughs> and then um. So the mother AI hates nature, but because the because the spaceship is crashed, she can't escape. So she's sort of tormented by nature and dirt and filth and all that of, of the um of the forest. So the next best thing she can do is kill nature. So she decides to freeze everything. And Roy doesn't want to do that. Like he's at war with her. So he escapes, his AI like escapes into nature, into the trees, and he becomes the three-eyed raven or some version of like the the old gods or something. And he uses the like he was spying on everyone on the ship. He uses the tree network to spy on everything. Um, and then, um, and the mother AI is able to reanimate corpses. She's, re- she's animating the whites. So it's like <laughs> the story is like a, a sort of mother versus son for like the soul, well, she's the one soul of Westeros. Yeah, she's reanimating the corpses <laughs> or, or her magic is sort of spreading across the, the land through winter or something like that. Like the, it, just the idea of the reanimated corpses is obviously something that's mm-hmm. that pops up again in, in A Song of Ice and Fire. And the idea of the surveillance, uh, like the A Thousand Eyes in One just made me thought of Royd. Yeah, I like like her. I guess they're in the same crystal, which is maybe too bad. But if their crystals were somehow separated, it'd be like in the crash, like hers is in like some sort of like. <laughs> giant piece of like frozen in the center of some huge piece of ice right and that's she's the great other right and uh and he's um his crystal like 
goes into like an ancient weirwood or something and he manages to connect all the other weirwoods. Yeah. Yeah. Like it. so it's it's or, nice. Or, or, or he falls into nature's a volcano and becomes a lore. Yeah, there. right. Either way. Yeah. <laughs> or or like I don't know if the, the crystal was uh it split in two and that was what was sure, Dawn yeah. was carved out of or something like that. Like it's, this, <laughs> yeah. it's the the basis yeah, of Dawn. That too. Yeah. I think uh or the the dragon fire or something. What you're touching upon uh, more seriously leaving the crazy theory aside is what is, <laughs> <laughs> but i think you're on something i think i think i think we, we, <laughs> what it comes out is is more the concepts are, are reusing yeah, yeah. and fire not the same characters but the concepts of like this kind of like you said you said blood raven right he's kind of similar to roy in a way like kind of like you know like distance and maybe like telepathic type powers or whatever like uh isolated mm, yeah. like that concept, Martin Martin draws upon concepts he's worked out before, even names he's worked out before yeah. again in Ice and Fire. So I think he's taken from this and put it there for actually like directly going from this to that is unlikely. He hasn't done it now. He could. In, I mean, in general, he, he could make that world be in the Thousand Worlds. He could do that, but he hasn't. Act, he hasn't done the Asimov thing to actually tie them together. He's just reused the ideas. Well, I think yeah. that's part of the fun of reading his short fiction. He's he's wrestling with a lot of these ideas that he would later implement and develop in A Song of Ice and Fire or you know, yes. other other things. Which makes me want to think that, like, because it, we kind of, like, talked about, like, the loneliness trilogy of A Song for Laia, Second Kind of Loneliness, and Eat House Man. <laughs> Those were tied to more, like, thoughts and things he had then, but maybe, like, we should keep in mind in, in terms of loneliness and ice and fire, which keep an eye out to see how it's dealt with, the concept of loneliness. In Ice and Fire, although those are things that he was dealing with in his youth, maybe he's not yeah. thinking about them as much now. It certainly doesn't. I mean, just going from his writing or whatever, it doesn't seem like he dwells on them the way he did. No, you're right. He doesn't. He doesn't even want to read them so much. They're more like at that point in his life, they were more relevant. Uh, but other concepts like this kind of psi powers or like you know the, the isolated powerful being or something could be relevant. But but more yeah. uh, using an idea rather than this this person actually like mother from Ice Fire is in Ice and Fire actually showing up i think that's too much riding it's, the ice um, dragon yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is, it is definitely in his, his early work there's such a sense of sort of wounded loneliness in in a lot of it some of it's romantic some of it's just this really anxious kind of pained loneliness yeah. um yeah Maybe it's really powerful Tyrion lannister. Tyrion lannister has that issue as well right and, well i i don't know if it's yeah it's sort of a different loneliness. It's a loneliness of sort of being trapped in circumstances where there's lots of people around, but you can't necessarily talk to them because everyone's kind of conspiring against you. So someone like Sansa is often engaged, talking with lots of people, but she can never really show her true self kind of thing. So it's sort of yeah. a different variation of it. So yeah, A Song of Ice and Fire, it's more, a lot of the characters are more sort of trapped in circumstances or held captive or, or cut off from where they want to be. But, uh, yeah, it's not. It's sort of a different loneliness than um, than his earlier fiction, where it's it's very uh, sort of raw psychological. Um, it feels it feels there's almost like a biographic sense to it. Whereas whereas um, a song of ice and fire, it feels like characters. It's not. Uh, it's more to the characters' circumstances. Okay, so we talked about night flyers. We talked about uh, the movie. Um, yeah, I guess we can I, we can wrap up. Maybe have our after show game. I'm not sure if we want to do that, but <laughs> we can after after. Anything else in the main episode you want to chat about? Um, no, I don't think. I think that's everything I have to say. 
Oh, I love the floating you know, eyeball. I thought that was super creepy. Yeah, it was cool. That's a nice yeah. uh, visual detail. There's, there's the one eyeball Just, out of the thousand eyes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> she almost like she needed that eyeball to see properly there or something, like because it was like guiding the laser. It's kind of interesting. Like, I just hmm, yeah, I just, to get like a really precise sort of uh, maybe. Yeah. yeah, when I when he described it, I just got such a vivid image of it, just floating, mm. just kind of <laughs> just floating above the character's head, just like staring, you know, nonchalantly at it. Yeah, I think he did a good job, sort of painting a picture in all of like the the combat and. Uh, even like the the scene where they were getting sucked out in the airlock and stuff like that. I think he did a good job painting. Sort it of was, thing. and I, I thought that the exposition was well encased in dialogue because that that's one of the criticisms I have of Martin in some of his stories. The, he sort of does these huge info dumps mm-hmm. that aren't necessarily compelling. Like I had, I struggled with Dying of the Light for that reason. Whereas here, it's encoded quite well into the character's motivation. So. Uh, that the main researcher or the main academic is really passionate about this stuff. So he delivers it, but it's it's compelling because he's passionate about it. In terms of adaptations, because it's had an adaptation, we, we reviewed Sand Kings, we talked about it, and how I, I didn't really like the Outer Limits adaptation because I thought it strayed too much from what... They already had a good story there. They didn't need to change it so much. But I think the reason why maybe it was like that, because I, I was looking... It was the first episode of the, the newer Outer Limits, and they probably had less flexibility like with the new show to... Like they had, they had to change. Like if, it would have been better if the Sand Kings was in like season four or five at Outer Limits, where they maybe they could have done just a direct analogy, like a direct transfer over. But when they did it in season one, episode one, they had to put it on Earth and convert it. So he was unlucky, I think, to have his work being the first one there. I think it would have been a better adaptation if it was later in the Outer Limits. As in, they didn't want to go too weird. They didn't want to go too weird in episode kinda, one. They were willing to go weird yeah. later. They were willing to have like completely different planets, different stuff going on. But I think in season one. In the first few episodes, they wanted to mostly be on Earth or tied to Earth. So sure, they, yeah. So they had to convert it over to the, the different story. Whereas I think it's, it was ready to go just as a complete adaptation on its own. They could have easily done a one-hour show on it. Just some planet. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks, guys, for joining me for Nightflyers chat. That was fun. It was a yeah, pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. It was good. Yeah. And, uh, you know, check us Bastards of King's Rave at... Uh, bastardskingsrave.wordpress.com or on via podcastadvicemire.com and we're on Twitter and Facebook. And uh, hopefully we'll we'll be back to continuing our George R. R. Martin earlier works thing. It all started almost four years ago with... Uh, you were there, Michael, actually. It was you and Vic where we did our first yeah, episode. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I'm, I'm not... Sh- I could be wrong. I'm not sure I've missed one so far. Oh, good. You've been, I think I might have been on all of them. I'm not. I'm not 100. Yeah. percent You've been seeing and watching everything from your chair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I've actually met you in person, so I could Let's vouch for you. I've never met Duncan, yeah. so we don't, know, we don't know what he's up to. Over there. Apparently, oh uh, yeah, his works are different length or something. That's kind of fishy. It could be a, a disembodied. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone out there can vouch for Duncan. Let us know. Yeah. He managed to work himself into a VOK creator position. Ever. No, yeah, no one quite remembers when he showed up. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I was gonna say if if any of the listeners have any, well, I guess it's up to you. <laughs> I mean, but if if anyone has any recommendations on what we should cover, yes. maybe let us know in the I'll comments. Be open to that. I think this, the main point is we're still kind of lacking the time. Like, we're going to do dying the light. That kind of led to the dying of this podcast series. Like we, we just couldn't. <laughs> yeah. Anytime, the- anytime it gets mentioned, it's sort of like, oh right, yeah, soon. <laughs> it was just. Too I did long. read it. To cover it. I mean, I've read it as well. I just haven't reread it for this. And it's just like, yeah, it's too much of a commitment for what this is. We've always just been doing short stories into novellas. And that's like, 
basically a novel. So, yeah. I, I was surprised though because there's actually quite a few short stories that aren't in dream songs that keep popping yes, up. That's right. Um, that I see online. So, um, yeah, if anyone can, it, well, I don't know where we, you get that. That's the problem, I guess. Man. Maybe libraries. Well, we have a uh, review copy, so we're good. But uh, there's, oh, okay. there's, there's, there's Meat Man, uh, which we covered, but I don't think we covered the earlier uh, zombie ones. We could kind of complete that. There's two earlier. Well, there's, there's New Pittsburgh. was actually a pretty short one. And there's like the Overdrive one, so maybe we should round mm-hmm. that off. Yeah, I was, I was re-listening to our Meat House Man episode, yeah. and uh, you and Lee maybe were talking about the uh, the other ones, and I was like, oh, I had never even I didn't even realize there were other ones. Yeah, too bad we missed Halloween. That would have been a good time to, to talk about yeah. that. But hey, we can. Those that's something that could fit in the cross and the dragon. That could fit in. We should try to get this going. Even I mean, this is something sooner than than the yearly basis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thanks for joining me, and we'll see you next time. Bye. See you later. Bye. Okay. Thank you. Now we're here at after show, or do we want to do our after show for this one? I don't know. I don't know the characters that as well. I think we can do it, I guess we'll. There's a good yeah, and there's a good description. Like, yeah, uh, we'll read over the descriptions as we go over it. Yeah, at the start. Um, well, the, let's start with the ones that are more easy. Like we know who they are, right? Like Melanta is definitely at least a one-nighter, if not something more, right? She's willing to stay with Roy at the end too. She's she's devoted. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, she's. Are we doing sure. one night Mary? Yeah. One night yeah, Mary, Scorpion, Scorpion uh, mistress. Yeah. Uh, I, I definitely marry Mary Melanthia. Definitely. So Life material. I think. I think certainly unfaithful though. I don't know how. Uh... But oh, this is. Well, we could we could discuss that. What, what kind <laughs> of marriage? <laughs> <is>? Discuss it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got Michael's. Some of us are more flexible than others, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, this, sure. This exactly. is your modern. This, this is you in the thousand world. Things have changed. Ah, uh, okay. this is the thousand worlds. I mean, <laughs> so a, many planets. Why so limit yeah. ourselves? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why she's good, at least for 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 for, for one night or mistress. Maybe yeah, if you're looking for a monogamous relationship, then uh, that's not for you then. But there. Okay, where's the where's the descriptions of the characters again? Um, I've got. Oh, I mean, I've found them. I don't, that doesn't really help you. <laughs> yeah. I'm in an ebook, so I can't tell you a page number or anything. You can uh, describe some of the characters, though. Yeah, sure, if you'd like. Yeah. Uh, the cybernetic cyberneticist Lamy Thorne 
talked to her computers and seemed to prefer their company to that of humans. She was bright and quick, with a mobile, expressive face and a small, hard, boyish body. Most of the others found her attractive, but she did not like to be touched. She sexed only once with Melantha. That she seems like maybe a uh, oh, oh, one night. Like, Nothing uh, more too than cold. one. If she'll take you. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like she only took off her jumpsuit briefly for. <laughs> Or was that? No, wait, did she wear a jumpsuit? No, no, no. That's, that's somebody that's else. The, that's the weird one. That's the um, Alice North. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, so she's... she ate constantly and never washed. Her stubby fingernails were always caked with black dirt <laughs> from <laughs> where I don't know. And she wore the same jumpsuit for the first two weeks, taking it off for only for sex and then only briefly. <laughs> no, you may pass. Right, on Alice North. You, she's also Fuck her on that one. Just so you know, she's large breasted as well. I think it's described yeah. there. <laughs> Put that into the equation. No, yeah, no, no to the no to the jumpsuits, but uh, yes, to the one nighter to the cyber attack, or if she's yeah, cybernosis. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> uh, the xenobiologist Rohan Christopheris was surly, argumentative, uh, cynical, a solitary drinker, tall, stooped, and ugly. I think I might pass on um, <laughs> no. <laughs> is that. That is okay. Space Keep scorpions, profile. please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, even he was sexing all over the place. With, uh, yeah, both with 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 Alice and, and well, I guess with Melantha as well because he sexed with every single guy there. Yeah. So. Daniel and Lindren are the two, the the pair, the couple. Yeah. And I don't have, um, I don't think. I mean, I, I guess I don't know of any. There's nothing right what I'm looking at, and I don't remember in the story anything really to distinguish them other than oh. the fact that they were the couple. Well, Lin, Lindren is like always. Criticizing Daniel's where it hurts most about his professional competence. Right, right. so I know that they yeah. pick at each other and stuff yeah. like that. I don't really know what they're like, particularly. Mm. Yeah, that's right. The other characters. Maybe one don't... night, like as long as we didn't have enough time for familiarity to breed contempt. <laughs> um, maybe Daniel and Lindren would. would you you both be would okay. have sexed one night, yeah. Yeah, exactly, Sexed. yeah. <laughs> Sex. <laughs> <laughs> I like the description when I was talking about the couple. It says, they sexed often, both of them, but not with each other. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> uh, and then we have uh, Agatha Marish Black, um, a hypochondriac given to black depressions. Which worsened in the close confines of the night flyers here. Yeah. yeah. That yeah, these aren't really that appealing. These people. <laughs> no, no, not really. I mean, yeah, but yeah. she's got some sigh that can increase the. Oh, that's true. She has like, the. Oh yeah, that could be right? It's the yeah, it's the emotional sigh, like the like uh. So level three. She's, which is lower yeah. than one, right? It's like the. Could add a whole. But also, whole she's addition. like I think she she gets more like she's like the the guy in Songs for Laya, whatever his name is, uh, Rob. Rob, right? yeah. It's, it's yeah. not as not as powerful, right? Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't remember how powerful Rob is, but it's emotions, not thoughts, anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, she might be good for a night or something. You wouldn't have to hear too much about her hypochondria. <laughs> uh, let's see. The telepath seems like a giant asshole. Yes. Um, nervous, temperamental, afraid of everyone, <laughs> yet given about <laughs> arrogance in which he taunted his companions with thoughts he had snatched from their minds. Yeah, yeah I don't think I'd want to be around that guy no. uh, at all. Like, for sex or anything else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lots of scorpions around for the most part, I think. Although, I guess the, there's the, the old the old guy, Carly. Uh, yeah, Carly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he seems... I mean, you talk your ear off about the knife flyers, probably. <laughs> 
Volkram. Yeah, no, I actually yeah. liked him. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, he's, he's good. like an okay guy. I mean, certainly had his obsession. But. Yeah. Mm. But he just, it's the way he talked to Roy. He was like, you know, open to Roy, treating him as a, as a friend. So yeah, stuck, right. stuck up yeah. for him. I, I, I like Those that. two are the only that, that really like were able to deal with Roy's projection. That, okay, that's the one, maybe that's the one thing that, that doesn't, uh, we're talking about how Martin was more accurate and, and more technically savvy in this story. But people were really like put off by the fact of like this projection. To me, it seems like projections would have been quite common for like communication over distance. Just like we have Skype now. If you could have a projection, you'd have a projection as well and be normal to be like have a project over your projection if you're like long distance communication. And yet it really freaked them out to have a projection there. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That does seem I, un- less likely. I guess though it'd be like so if your roommate only wanted to talk to you over <laughs> Skype. <laughs> then you know there's something wrong going on. I mean, you'd for start sure, to get a bit suspicious. <laughs> yeah, for sure. There's something. I mean, it's a strange uh, situation. Having anyone like right behind a wall, but they never come out or whatever. I mean, that's going to be creepy. I think no matter what. Yeah, but the, it, 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 that's true, and it, that's part of the description. But part of it seems to be the projection. So, like, they should they, they should have distinguished between the two factors, right? It's just the, the fact that there's a projection, and they like they want to put their hand through it or whatever. Like that should be normal to all these people. That should not be yeah. freaky to them. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you're probably right. Maybe people don't use. I mean, you know, I mean, you can make up an excuse for anything you want, yeah. but maybe maybe they maybe don't people use them don't their, use projections. Yeah, yeah. It's maybe a it's new just invention. Like, it's a very new invention now. Well, or or just like it's a data hog, and like the resolution's <laughs> not as good as flat images, or you know, who it doesn't run knows. very fast on tapes. So. <laughs> <laughs> uses a lot of tapes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think it also describes him as being like a couple of decades out of fashion. So maybe that mm. sort of irked them. It, it, it sort of, I mean, it does have an almost ghostly quality to it, a yeah. hologram. Well, he does actually, just, it is not him anymore. It's him like 20 years ago or something, right? Like uh, he's older. Than yeah. 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 So there's something almost like not quite right about, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't that out of the ordinary probably for these people, but there was something yeah. slightly off about it that made them uncomfortable. So, um, are you going to help yeah. Royd get his sex experience? Uh, <laughs> I don't think we're as, as generous. Probably as not. Uh, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I yeah. mean, versus versus scorpions, maybe maybe I could handle a night. Yeah. But what 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 about but, the, his yeah. mother? Oh, that I'll pass on. I think <laughs> I'm not sure I'd survive the experience uh, either way. So I'll just yeah. go with scorpions and make sure. Yeah, definitely yeah. airlock the the mother. Too, too many floating body bits. <laughs> yeah, no, what, what about mother? Like actual mother as a human being, Just messed up. So it gets basically the same situation. Yeah, yeah. too too yeah. crazy and hateful and everything else. Right? Mm. Plus, I don't I don't think she'd be into it. So that's right. Oh, I guess the the one other thing we kind of missed was that there's a lot of chess going on and, and in terms of being ahead one or two moves how it's not good to yeah that's so true like it's yeah they play for real and then they use it as a metaphor a lot yeah he's finally able to beat her in a couple games now she still she wins nine out of ten well what's the line he keeps saying like you're too far ahead or something yeah, too many you're moves. thinking too many steps ahead. yeah i guess that could maybe apply to the story like they're solely focused on the on the vulcan as like the the final move, but they miss all of these other moves in between that they'd end up undoing them. Like, or there's maybe like a, an enemy that they haven't recognized. 
that well, they're vulnerable the, to. The fact that she's so, thinking so far ahead is also maybe drawing mother's attention to them. Or, yeah. Um, yeah, this deserves a better adaptation. And even though we haven't seen them, we can just tell that it's not good. This needs an anime adaptation. <laughs> See it. George is famous enough now that they could come start converting his work. Yeah, I don't know if he's famous outside of A Song of Ice and Fire. Hey, Night, Night Flyers won the, the Japanese Yugo. This, this is the one that should have been adapted. <laughs> well, I, yeah. but I mean, it, you know, thirty years ago, it did, yeah. or twenty years ago. <laughs> no, no, thirty, 30 years, years yeah. ago. Now, so. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. Like, he's definitely has clout, but I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he could work. Maybe when he's finished Song of Ice and Fire, he could he get it back into sci-fi and adapt some stuff. That'd be cool. Like George, he could do like a George R. R. Martin presents, like a, a kind of Tales from the Crypt thing, where he starts, you know, sitting in his armchair by his little forty-year-old computer and, and introduces each little story. Yeah, he puts it in cool. a tape. Yeah, it puts in a VCD. <laughs> <laughs> it's like tuning it. <laughs> yeah, maybe a reel to reel. <laughs> These whisperer drills are pretty cool, though. They seem like pretty interesting. Things like the smaller ones where you can like remember a memory. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was neat. Okay, well that's all I had to cover. It was good. Good chat with you guys. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, always good. And it looks like we had good timing as well. We're getting close to when you have to go, right? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I still have some time, but yeah. What I mean, do I don't know. we don't we don't need to use it all. Or no, anything. we don't. But what about you, Duncan? <laughs> you, you're, you're heading out soon, right? I was gonna yeah, say yeah, we should we, if we knew. Well, we ran out of time, but if we'd known, we could have done a nice fire episode as well. But there's not, we were not prepared to do one anyways. No. You want to yeah. punch out a half an hour? <laughs> no, but I mean, we, we definitely dragged <laughs> no out one this one. Bad. We could have finished this one like 40 minutes ago and <laughs> switched over. But yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, send me your files. Or at least Duncan do. We'll ask you from here. Yeah. yeah that's, that's <laughs> last resort, the Mac. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> that's exactly. That's what I like to be. Last resort. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Okay, see you guys. All right, see Thanks, guys. How's it going? Not bad. How are you? Good. Is it us three? Hey, hey guys. As far as I know. Hey, how's it going? Good, thanks. Uh, yeah, I didn't hear from uh, Lee or um, Greg, so I don't think they're coming. And yeah. Amber can't make it, I don't think. Amber's online, but I think she's at work. Like, well, well, I, okay. I'll, I'll try adding her, maybe, but I think she's not coming yet. Sure, yeah. <clears throat> Sometimes she likes to listen anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think... I think uh, did I invite anybody else by email that might have... Emailed a few other people. So. Uh, Mr. Corp, I think was yeah. might have been on the email, but I don't think I don't think he responded. No, <clears throat> that's fine. We have enough to to cover it. I think. I'm trying to see when our last episode was from uh, this kind of Martin Sphere stuff. It's been a while. I think it was. Think- it may have been the Super Bowl, yeah, not right. this last yeah. one, but the one before. <laughs> Twenty fifteen. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so about two years. There we go.
let's see. Episode 71. <clears throat> All right. I think I'm ready to go. You guys have read the work? Yep. Yes, I read it. <laughs> okay. I've got a I've got a recorder going, so should have some backups. Mine's running too, but I have a weird one on a Mac, so I, <laughs> it it records in a strange way that, I, and I can't figure out how to. I guess it records .mov instead of anything reasonable, and I can't figure out how to change it. So if you need it, I have it, but it is in a weird format. Has to be converted over, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's how Macs well, work to make things everything easier, right? Yeah, well, then it's easy for me. I don't have to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> Just give it to someone else. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> okay, good to go? Yeah, all good. Yep. Okay. <clears throat>